Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 28th of February, 2022, the 27th of Adar, Aleph 5782. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe in your part of the world. Of course, chaos right now in the Ukraine with the Russian invasion. I think we are in day number five of the war, if I'm not mistaken. And I do not have all of the up-to-the-minute details as to what is going on on the ground right now in Russia or the Ukraine. But since I am here in Jerusalem, I'd like to talk about the connection between what's going on over there and Israel, what role Israel is potentially playing, what the conflict says or potentially says in terms of our reality here in the state of Israel And that's really where I'm going to focus on here today. So if you're hoping for the latest breaking news about the Ukraine, um, that I don't have in terms of what's going on with troops on the ground, Russian troops or missile launches and all that horrible stuff taking place. Nevertheless, um, we are going to tie this into Israel. And uh, there's been a lot of news, of course, in that regard here over the last several days. And let's start here with an analysis in the Jerusalem Post. She's been on our show before, the military correspondent for the J Post, Anna Ehrenheim. And the title of the article from yesterday's paper paper is Invasion of Ukraine Makes It Clear IDF Will Have to Fight Own Battles. And I really think this summarizes the entire situation for Israel and maybe a good uh, portion of the world because of the weakness of the Biden, Biden administration in Washington. You're supposed to have the leader of the free world. And I actually watched his press conference the other day when this all started. And it is just a mess, folks, an absolute mess. And here is what Anna Ehrenheim said yesterday in the paper. She says, If U.S. President Joe Biden's speech on Thursday wasn't clear enough, that's what the uh, the speech I was referring to, Ukraine is on its own against the Russian bear. And if there's anything Israel can learn from that, it is that it also will find itself fighting alone should it ever find itself in a war against Iran. That is, I think, the major take out of everything going on uh, in the Ukraine and Russia Um, when you're looking at it from an Israel perspective. She adds, Biden waved the Western white flag and lost American deterrence deterrence against Russia, as well as Iran and China, countries that only respect leaders who show true power and strength. Again, that is not the case from the Biden administration, from the Biden White House. America's deterrence at least in the Middle East, was tremendously weakened. Following its chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan earlier this year, Washington's response to Moscow's invasion further diminished its deterrence around the globe. With, I mean, again, this really summarizes the entire situation in terms of Israel and really the world. With the West focused on Ukraine, she continues, 
Iran might also see an opening to accelerate its nuclear program despite the ongoing negotiations, which we know are a joke, which we talk about every week on the show. And that is something that Jerusalem will not accept. It is something that Jerusalem has said over and over again. Israel is not a party to any deal signed with Tehran. And if necessary, Israel's military will act against Iran and prevent it from becoming a nuclear threshold state, even if Washington doesn't like it. And we'll conclude this article with this. The IDF has watched and will continue watching the battle for Ukraine, as well as the reaction by the West. It has understood that in the new world order, America is no longer the military superpower that will come to the world's aid. America, again, no longer the military superpower. How sad. How sad have things become over the last, what's it been, a year, a year and a half, almost two years since we had a strong administration in Washington, a strong leader of the free world. And again, I don't care if you liked Donald Trump as president or you thought he was obnoxious or whatever your case might be with President Trump. Putin knew that Trump was strong. He never would have tried this, tried these shenanigans, to put it mildly, under President Trump because Putin respects strength, not weakness. And the same goes for Iran or China or any of the other rogue nations around the world. They respect strength. America is not showing it. Israel is taking notice. And Israel must take notice because it is an existential threat. If Iran seizes this opportunity to go full force forward, towards nuclear weapons. And that is the lesson, the main lesson from what's going on over there. Again, we could focus on the tragedies taking place and all of that. Um, and many many media outlets are doing so. But right now we are focusing on all on how this is playing out and how this could one day affect the state of Israel. Uh, also reported yesterday, 10,000 Ukrainian Olim expected in coming weeks. Israel is expecting 10,000 Jews to somehow get out of the Ukraine and make Aliyah come home to Israel. These are figures uh, announced by government officials on, on Saturday. The Ministry of Immigration and Absorption would not comment on this estimate, but responded saying that it is prepared for the emergency immigration of Ukrainian Jews. And in view of the escalation in Ukraine, the ministry headed by Minister Pnina Tamanoshata is preparing all sectors to assist and absorb any Jews seeking to immigrate to Israel. So if you're listening to this broadcast and you are in the Ukraine or you are in danger, that is one of the reasons you have a Jewish state of Israel which you can come home to. Again, that's the worst case scenario. We don't want people having to run home to the Jewish state, but that is, in fact, one of the purposes. Uh, worst case scenario, if Aliyah is not something that you are willingly or have the freedom to consider when you are in a life or death situation, in a life or death situation, as a Jew, 
Thank God you now have the state of Israel. So again, 10,000 is the number used here in this article. Um, Ukrainian Jews trying to get to Poland, Moldova, Moldova, sorry, Romania, Hungary, and perhaps make their way to the Jewish state of Israel, and they will be welcomed with open arms. I read today some other plans on how they would accommodate those 10,000 or uh, even smaller amounts of those who want to get out of there and make it home to Israel. And please, God, let those Jews be safe. Let them have let them have a safe journey. It should go well. They should get out of there and come home as the Russians are approaching. So now we need to take a look at the relationship that Israel has with Russia and the significance of that relation. And specifically, we're talking about Syria because Russia is entrenched in Syria and Israel unofficially has been carrying out strikes. Israel has yet to confirm this, by the way. Um, Strikes in Syria targeting Iranian proxies, terrorists, those who are threatening the Jewish state of Israel. JNS reported uh, yesterday that Russia's military coordination with Israel and Syria is useful and will continue. Russia's embassy to Israel said on Saturday, this according to Reuters. The statement follows a recent uptick in tension between the two countries in connection with Russia's actions in the Ukraine. The security coordination between Jerusalem and Moscow is aimed at preventing inadvertent clashes between the two countries' militaries, both of which are active in Syria. Russia is supporting the regime of President Bashar Assad, while Israel is engaged in preventing Iran from entrenching itself in Syria, as I said before, and also striking Iranian armed shipments. Our military officials discussed the practical issues of this substantial Substantively, sorry about that, on a daily basis, this mechanism has proven to be useful and will work and will continue to work, the Russian embassy said in a statement. However, that being said, on on Wednesday, last Wednesday, Russia denounced Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights at a meeting of the United Nations Security Council hours before it launched its invasion of Ukraine. What What hypocrisy there. How do they have time to bash Israel over its legitimate control of the Golan, uh, won back in a defensive war of survival in 1967. How do they have time to bash Israel? And then they go out and carry out, which amount to war crimes, by invading the Ukraine. Obviously, you can't compare the two. The Golan Heights is a historical part of the land of Israel. And here you have uh, Russia launching an attack on a country because, just because, (laughs) really, because that's what Putin wants to do. He can use any excuse in the book. I mean, he wants to annex the Ukraine illegally. But it's shocking that the Russians have the time to condemn Israel and somehow suggest that Israel should turn the Golan over to Syria. That's what we need is... Uh, Syrian and Iranian proxies and terrorists on the high grounds overlooking the Lake of Galilee, the Kinneret, like it used to be when they took pot shots at farmers down there. We need to go back to that, right? And now, of course, in the age of ballistic missiles, it really makes sense for Israel to withdraw from what is ours from the Golan. But I guess Russia has time for that. 
Um, at least they had time for that before they invaded the Ukraine. This in today from the Jerusalem Post, Israel will vote in favor of a resolution condemning Russia's invasion of the Ukraine at the UN General Assembly, which will be held today in New York. I don't know if that's according to Foreign Minister Yair Lapid. I don't know if that meeting has taken place already by the time you're hearing this, but that meeting is scheduled to take place. Lapid said Israel was and will be on the right side of history. These are our values. Our alliance is with the U.S. Again, Israel has to be very cautious here, folks, because of the situation there in Syria. We don't want to get into a situation where Russians are shooting down Israeli, um, God forbid, Israeli aircraft or taking down Israeli missiles, which, which are justifiably aimed at terror organizations. So we have to be really careful here. And I think they're... I guess it's good cop, bad cop in terms of Russia and Naftali Bennett, our prime minister, has been a little bit um, less vocal in the condemnation of Russia. While here we have our foreign minister, Lapid, who's saying flat out that Israel wants to be on the right side of history and will vote for this resolution condemning Russia. So the, the political game here involved as well. Very, very delicate balance. And we will see how it plays out. Now, here's one idea, which I don't really understand. This is from today's paper, today's Jerusalem Post, Naftali Bennett offering Putin mediation to end the war. According to sources, Israel wants to keep its involvement to a minimum, uh, but nevertheless, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett told Russian President Vladimir Putin on Sunday he's prepared to mediate an end to the war in the Ukraine. I think this is a bad idea. I think Israel should stay out of that I mean, we're the country that needs to mediate between the two. I mean, let some other bigger countries with more clout, perhaps, let them get involved in this. We have enough problems on our own, okay? We don't need to get involved in this, in my opinion. Israel should stay out of it. No reason to be a mediator here. Maybe uh, a few Nobel Prizes will be awarded to some of our leaders, but I would stay far, far away from serving as a mediator between these two sides here. other Maybe another country should um, get involved on that level. I do not think that should be Israel. So again, that is what was reported today. Now, how is the Palestinian Authority or Hamas, how are they reacting towards the Ukraine and Russia? From what I've read, they've been pretty quiet. But you did have Hamas political bureau member Musa Abu Marzouk, who broke the official silence on Saturday afternoon. He couldn't wait any longer. This is what he said. Quote, as I think on Twitter, one lesson of the Russian-Ukrainian war is that the era of U.S. unipolar domination has ended. The U.S. was not in a position to declare war on Russia, those who cannot declare war will not set the international agenda. From here, we can begin to talk about the future of the Zionist entity. So, because of weakness being uh, portrayed um, by the Biden administration, their weakness, and that was the article we opened up this show with today, the U.S. administration's weakness has emboldened Hamas. They are saying, essentially, the U.S. does not call the shots anymore. They are not the world's superpower. And now Hamas wants to talk about 
wants to tie this into Israel. They won't say the word Israel, of course. They call us the Zionist entity. Just like the American weakness, U.S. weakness is emboldening Iran, it is also emboldening Hamas. This is terrible. This is a terrible situation. Again, you can argue this is a conflict or a war of aggression by Russia against the Ukraine, a war between the sides. But ultimately, this has to do with who is sitting in the White House. Okay, that's really what this is all about. And the Biden administration is failing miserably, miserably in this arena. Um, and people are dying. People are being killed, paying the price because of the weakness of the Biden administration. Um, Israel Hayom reported this, I guess, doesn't have anything to do with the Ukraine or Russia, but amid the tensions in northern Israel, a Hamas delegation on Saturday met with Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah in Lebanon. So there you have Hamas, a Sunni group, meeting with Hezbollah, a Shia group. And normally the sides don't get along, right? Shia, Sunni, fighting on different battlefields throughout the ages and in recent history. But it doesn't matter. When it comes to Israel, they have no problems uniting. Maybe it is. Maybe this does have something, have something to do with Ukraine. And now is the time for these guys, these terrorists, to unite, or at least to have a meeting discussing recent developments, according to this report in Israel Ayom, vis-a-vis the so-called Palestinians, the Arabs who live under the Palestinian Authority, in addition to issues, uh, housing issues in East, East Jerusalem and the Shimona Tzadik neighborhood, or what they call Sheikh Jarrah, I call it Shimona Tzadik. So that is what they're discussing. Again, not sure if it has to do with the Ukraine or not, but the fact that you have um, those with such opposing views religiously, the fact that they have no problem uniting, once again shows you that the destruction of Israel is all of their goals. They're willing to put aside all of their differences, and we've seen the Palestinian Authority and Hamas do the same thing, put aside their differences when it comes to trying uh, or their, des- their desire to wipe out the Jewish state of Israel. Israel National News. This happened in my area of Gush Etzion last week. IDF fighters on Tuesday evening eliminated a teen an Arab terrorist teen who threw firebombs at Israeli vehicles on the highway uh, between Jerusalem and Gush Etzion. This is Highway 60 near the tunnels, the tunnel road, for those of you who are aware, those of you who know. And again, a firebomb or a Molotov cocktail, when someone throws that, I don't care if you're 13, 31, or 103, the goal is to try to burn Jews alive. And that's what they tried to do. That's what this teen tried to do, who's probably been probably was brainwashed from birth to hate Israel, to hate the Jews. And he paid the price because he was, thank God, eliminated by IDF soldiers who responded to Arabs throwing firebombs at Israeli vehicles. Again, this happened near the village of Al-Khadar, just at the entrance to Gush Etzion, the northern entrance to Gush Etzion. Uh, three suspects arrived at the spot, um, according to Israel National News, threw firebombs at Israeli vehicles. Apparently, this is not the first time they've done it. The IDF was monitoring these guys, and 
got to a point where the fighters had to open fire, hitting one of the suspects and killing him. Um, Gushetzion Regional Council Head Shlomo Nehmat congratulated the soldiers on this successful operation. He essentially said that this should be a message to all those other terrorists out there. They should serve as a deterrent. And I agree, if time and time again, those who try to murder Jews are taken out, perhaps they will learn their lesson and stop doing it. They will realize it's not worth it and they're going to pay with their lives as a result. And I think the IDF needs to be strong. Every rock, every Molotov cocktail is attempted murder, and uh, the IDF should continue this type of policy. It should serve as a deterrence, and we should see fewer firebombs in Gush Etzion and all over Judea and Samaria as a result of IDF strength. And... Um, and that's really going to do it for today, for today's show. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Be in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com. On Facebook, Joshua Haston or Josh Haston Israel Journalism. On Twitter, on Instagram. Happy to read your emails. I apologize. There was actually one email somebody asked me to read this week. I apologize. I do not have that in front of me. I'm not recording from where I normally record, and I did not pull that up in time. I apologize. Um, I forgot who it was from, but I do owe you an email read on air. I'll have to go back and find that email. And if you're listening to the show, please resend it. If not, I'll go back and try to find who sent me an email and ask that I read it on the air. I deepest apologies for that. I just was not prepared. It's been a crazy day, crazy several days here. Nothing to do with the Ukraine, just a lot of stuff going on. Uh, here in Israel. So, everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, it's still a wonderful world even with the chaos. Most importantly, be healthy, be safe, have a great week, everyone. And uh, I bid you adieu from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the Jewish people and the state of Israel. Have a great week, everybody. Oh, one more thing. Shout out to Benjamin Bresky and Tabitha Epstein for having real patience with me. I'm recording the show much later in the day than I normally do. So thank you guys for all your hard work and your patience. Have a great week, everybody. Be safe out there, wherever you are. And uh, Jews of the Ukraine, if you can, get out of there and come home to Israel. We will welcome you with open arms. Have a great week, everybody. The year is 1981. Menachem Begin is prime minister. Ronald Reagan is president, and Saddam Hussein has a nuclear reactor in Iraq. Israel has nothing to apologize for. We decided to act now, before it is too late. We shall defend our people with all the means at our disposal. Take a deep dive into Israel's strike on the Osirak nuclear reactor, the story of Ilan Ramon and the world reaction to this dramatic event in Israeli history. And I said to the president, before this is over, we'll be on our knees thanking God Israel did what it did. That's The Jewish Story with Rav Mike Foyer on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.